Well, it's just so wonderful to be back here. Feels like home away from home. I just, I just have a, such a sense of the Holy Spirit being present. And when God, when God is this tangible, it's because He wants to do something. It's not a God that just display himself because he wants to show off. Although he's got all the reason in the world to show off. God shows up like this. It's because he wants to change something in our hearts. And I just had the picture as, uh, as we worshipped. Um, way back, part of what I, I specialized in was to to move things other people find difficult to move. Um, like concrete beams. To deflect it by like, say, 60 millimeters or something. Um, actually, in Cavendish Square, if you ever walk there, just walk carefully. Because I've done all the reinforcement in Cavendish Square so that they could put this, the, cars, the p- car parking lot upstairs. But to do that, to carry that weight, I had to bend concrete beams. And God brought that picture up in front of me and said that if man can even move or bend or deflect a concrete beam, how come your heart is so rigid that you don't want to move when I speak? And I really feel, I mean, I just feel that God wants to move in your heart today. And we, we should surrender. Just surrender. And as I speak, and I believe that through the word, God will even speak to you. I pray that even before we're done, before when we're done preaching, you in your heart will say, Lord, I surrender. Move me. Move me. So I'm going to read in a, quite for, for the modern day church, it will be a, a quite a significant portion of scripture, but I need to read the whole scripture so we can get context. Um, That's one thing my dad drilled into me when I started preaching at the age of 13. He said to me, you never preach scripture out of context. Never, never going to look for a scripture that you want to make it work for what you want to say, because God's word is quite capable of speaking For itself. So we're going to read Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 20. And as we go along, I want you to pay attention because I believe that even as we as we read the word of God, I believe that we should pour over the word and then allow the word to pour over us. And then we'll find that the barren ground, the fallow ground will become soft, and God can plant new seeds in that ground. So allow, even as we read the scripture, don't sit back and say, oh, it's a long scripture. Allow the word of God to penetrate as we read this portion of scripture. It says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed. 
And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, and there were but 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly. And that's something I would like to see more. Where preachers speak boldly. Where they don't preach to keep bums on seats. But where they preach for a verdict. Where people decide, I want to follow Jesus. He spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the halls of Tyrannus, and continued for, this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And here's the portion that actually going to focus more on. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even, that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you in the I adjure you by the, the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven of the Jewish high priests, um, seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Shiva were doing this. But the evil spirits answered them, Jesus I know. Paul I recognize, but who are you? And I'm putting in there, how embarrassing. And the man in whom the evil spirit, uh, in whom was the evil spirit, leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of, uh, of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. More than what they paid Judas to betray Jesus. So the word of the Lord continued to increase. And prevail mightily. Now, just to give you a to give you a heading for what I'm going to speak about, I'd like to read that scripture in Zechariah as well. Zechariah four verse six. We all know this. So he said to me, "This is the word of the the, the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit," says the Lord. And that's, I suppose, the heading 
for tonight's message, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. In today's language, not by your effort. You're not going to serve me and you're not going to make a success of whatever ministry I've called you to by your effort. It's by my spirit. And that's the recipe God gave in the Old Testament. And that's the recipe we still find in Acts chapter 19. Is that God works by His Spirit. And God is raising up leaders. And you might not have the stature. You might not have the look of what the world thinks a leader should look like. But it's not about your looks. Not everybody can look like me, by the way. I understand that. I totally get that. But it's not about your looks or how you present yourself. It's the moment the Spirit comes upon you that God moves. It says here, verse 11, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. It wasn't Paul. He was just the hands. God was doing the miracles. And often we misinterpret that scripture and we want to do the miracles. Now we're just the hands. But there's a, a prerequisite. There's something that needs to happen so that we can be the hands. And I'm just going to give you a broad outline so that you can get the gist of it. I actually want to speak about what a healthy church looks like. And I want you to see, if a church is healthy, it means that the individuals are healthy. And for the, when the individuals are healthy, the Holy Spirit doesn't just move when we get together, but it's where I work. It's where I gather in a, in a, in a, in a calm. It's wherever at home God's Spirit can move. So we find that in today's world, in today's church, people think that a healthy church has got a great worship team and the worship was great. Great. But people think you need to have that professional performance and the lights and the smoke machines. You need all that to have, a great, to have great worship. But great worship is not necessarily a sign of a healthy church. It just means you can afford a great band and some great, great equipment. And often people fall into the trap of going to big worship events. But it's actually not a worship event. It's a, it's a show. And because you like the music, you sing along. And, and you leave there and nothing has changed in your life. The same guy who worshipped there still sleeps with his girlfriend. So worship, when it's truly effective, it changes your life. So worship is not the sign of a great healthy church. When we read this portion of scripture, we find that there were salvations. People got saved. People got baptized. People got baptized in the Spirit. People, as they got baptized in the Spirit, they started speaking in tongues and demons were delivered. Now, are those things happening in your life on an everyday basis? Then I'm afraid you need a doctor because you're not healthy. Because when we're healthy, we're in submission to the Holy Spirit. These things just happen. So normally if there's no flow of the Holy Spirit, uh, back in the day I used to fix um, racing cars. I used to like building racing cars. 
And if you want to start the car up and it doesn't want to start the first time, you went through a sequence of checks to see um, what, what's wrong. Is there fuel? Is there fire? Why doesn't it start? And in the same way, you go through this checklist. If you see, if there's no Holy Spirit flowing, you start with, there might be no Jesus. That's where the salvations come in. Often when there's no Holy Spirit, there's no Jesus. Sometimes we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, but we still, there's still no Spirit. It's because we haven't been baptized in water. Sometimes we've been born again, but not baptized, but not filled with the Spirit. Sometimes we are filled with the Spirit, born again, baptized, and there's still no anointing. And that's when it's dangerous, because that's normally when there's sin in our life. And we're going to have a look at a couple of those things tonight. What's stopping the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life? So we're going to look at three things. What does a healthy church look like? What's the heart issues that, the second point is, what's the heart issues that we need to watch out for that could prevent the flow of the Holy Spirit? And then, just in our normal everyday lives, hindrances to the flow of the Holy Spirit. I think one of the the biggest problems is we as Christians have become too polite. So we gather. It says here, Paul came to, a, came to an area and he found some disciples. But Paul was never known to be a polite apostle. So he, he goes straight in and he says to them, did you receive? Often we gather and we do, we're just too polite to ask. So, so tell me about your salvation. And because we haven't asked the right questions, people assume that they're doing okay. You see, when you don't ask somebody, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They actually start pretending that they have received it, just to fit in. And if they pretended long enough, then it's too late to ask them almost, because now they believe they have the Holy Spirit, and they can actually go through the motion, and they actually start speaking Christianese. They're saying all the right stuff, they're doing all the right things, but they are not filled with the Spirit. So therefore, I want to encourage you in your workplace, in your comms, as we gather, let's be bold. Let's ask one another, tell me about your salvation. Because before we can ask, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Let's ask the question, did you receive Jesus? Have you got Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And somebody might say, but I've always been saved. See, the, the thing is, when you become, it says here, and he met some disciples. Now, a disciple is a convinced learner. That's the meaning of a disciple. He's a convinced learner. He, became, he got to a place where he became convinced that Jesus is the way. He repented of his sins and became a disciple of Jesus. Now, for, for us to become Christians, for us to become believers, we need to be born again. See, a Christian is not born. 
Some say we are Christians because we are born in a, in, a, in a Christian country. A Christian is not born. A Christian is born again. And that's important. And we need to have these discussions with our friends. See, because sometimes we're so scared to offend people that we, 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 we are so nice to them that they go to hell unoffended. I'd rather that they go to heaven offended because of the questions I ask them. But guys, the times that we are living in calls for us to ask the hard questions because there are people that have been deceived and they think they're in the, on the way. They think that they're following Jesus. They think they are believers. But nobody has asked them the right question. And because of that, they drifted in and they're drifting along. You think back to Israel when they left um, Egypt. Everybody who left Egypt was circumcised. They were Jews. But not everybody that was about to enter the promised land was circumcised. It was just two of them. So the, there was a second circumcision at Gilgal, just other side of the Jordan. They had to circumcise because there were people who just walked along. And in the end, they started looking like Jews because some kids, were, uh, some people were little when they left, and now they're grown-ups. And they walked along, and for those who just walked along, there was a day set aside so they could be circumcised, so they knew that they are part of this people. So Christians are not just born. They're born again. And as we deal with people, we need to settle that with them to make sure. And once they, are, once they are, have the blessed assurance that they're born again, now we can ask them, have you received? Have you received? The Holy Spirit. And it, it's amazing how, how some people will go through the motions and they close their eyes and they sing along. And only years later, they are filled with the Spirit. So two things I want to bring to your attention here. One is you might be sitting here and you've been unmoved like a concrete beam. And you've, done, you've, 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 you've made all the right moves you have all the right postures, and maybe even you, 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 you just close your eyes and wait for worship to pass. But God wants to deal with those who, if you're not sure about your salvation, God wants to deal. He wants to settle that matter tonight. He wants to settle your salvation. You can't just play along and walk along and hope if you walk along long enough that you will be one of them. There has to be a place where you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it's a personal matter. You see, the thing is that I've noticed in the Word of God, curses flows in the bloodline, but salvation doesn't. You've got to be born again for yourself. And I'm laboring that point because you might be sitting here and you have been you, you look so much like a Christian that it's going to be hard for you to say, Oops, I think I don't have Jesus. But rather now, rather now than standing in front of the throne of God and going, Oops, I don't have Jesus. There's a seriousness about the fact that the Word of God says you must be born again. 
And then I, I really believe at the end of, of this sermon that God wants us to pray for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to be open for whatever God wants to do. Because you might do stuff that you haven't done before. <laughs> you might step out and do the things that Tony has asked you to do for a long time. And you've never done it because you were too shy. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, something's about to change. So here's the thing. I'm going to just quickly run through three, three things because I don't know what it is. But whenever I'm in a, in a service, whenever I'm preaching, my watch goes ballistic. It just starts running faster and faster and faster. I don't know what's wrong with this thing. Let's break this down. What's the heart issues that you've got to guard against? I, we, I heard that some le- you had a leaders camp. And, and amongst you as leaders, I want you to pay attention to this. Here we find Paul... God uses him, and I mean, imagine, imagine the ministry. Imagine I could just take out my hanky, give it to Zelia, and say, just go touch a few people, please. I, I, I mean, that's powerful, eh? But what happens is, when we're, in a, when we're in a leadership team, different people will have different gifts, and we need to settle. This is not the spur. This is church. Because in the spur, you sit down and you order... Cordon Blow. Cordon Blow. Right? And then you get this Cordon Blow chicken, it's cheese. <laughs> but then the waiter comes along to the table next to you. And you actually go, oh, I should have ordered that. I want that. And unfortunately, this is church. This is not the spur. You, you get what God gives you. And you, you might like the other person's gifting more. But you, you cannot be that person. You see, people will look at Paulie and say, Wow, his handkerchief. I mean, my handkerchief might kill some people. <laughs> but his handkerchief, you see, when we look at people's anointing and gifting, we need to look at what's the price they paid. In order for God to entrust him with it. And sometimes we want their gifting, but we don't want the price tag that goes with it. So we can't compare. And I want, I want you to guard your hearts in this team. And as you sit outside the team and you wonder, why were they selected and not me? Guard your heart against comparison. Take what God has placed inside of you and do the best that you can with it. Here these seven sons of the high priest sees what Paul does, and he want, they want to do that. And that's where the warning comes in. You see, with, with the religious part in us, we want to do works. We want to be seen. We want recognition. But I promise you, I promise you, nothing goes unnoticed with God, even if no man recognizes or applauds whatever you've, done for God, whatever you've done for God, God sees it. And resist the temptation to start flowing in your gift just in the right space so that leadership can see you. Because then you have your reward already. 
they were called itinerant, itinerant prophets, or let me see, just here, um, it says here, then, uh, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, so they were guys that cast out, according to them, they would cast out demons, but they were itinerant, they had a job title, forget the job title, just do whatever God asks you to do, you see, the second thing that they, they didn't have is they had no accountability. They did what they wanted to do because they tried to look like Paul. When it comes to leadership in a team, accountability is everything. They had no submission. That's why they got a hiding. You know what? If you're not going to live with accountability and submission, you're going to live like those guys, naked and wounded. That's, that's how people leave church. Oh, the church hurt me. No, no, no. It wasn't the church. It was, was probably something where you stepped out of line and wanted something that, that you were not supposed to get. And then they said no. And now according to you, the church hurt you. You see, people leave naked and wounded because they want something that God has not predestined for them to have. Settle the gift that God has given you. And then operate in the fullness of it. You know what? We, we say it as a cliche, but even if it's cleaning toilets. I know sometimes after some people has been there, it's a hard ministry. <laughs> but if that's what God has called you to, you do that to the best of your ability. You see, they, they depended on the fact, on their heritage. They were Jews. And they thought that will get them through. Heritage is not good enough. You know, but I'm the, I'm the son of the pastor. I'm the son of an elder. No, no, no. God will work with you in the way that he wants to work with you. But you don't know where I come from. Where I came from, the church I came from, I was like the, the, the second head usher. Surely I should get a position here. No, no, no. Submission and transparency, accountability. That's important. There's one I want to bring to your attention here. It says they, they were the sons of the high priest. That's entitlement. Entitlement in a leadership team causes trouble. It brings division. Actually, the only thing we're entitled to is hell. We deserve nothing else but by the grace of God. He brings us in and he wants to partner with us and he wants to use us in his kingdom. Entitlement does not belong in a team that serves in the kingdom of God. They had titles. Um, and here's the other thing. They, <laughs> they undertook. They weren't led by the Spirit. They undertook. To take on evil spirits. They were led by the Spirit. It was their own decision. But, but here's the thing. They had no relationship with, with God. And they undertook to deal with the evil spirits in the name of the Jesus that Paul proclaims. Absolute no relationship. Here's the thing. If, you, if God's going to use you, Time in the presence of God, that brings authority. 
That brings authority. Time in the presence of God. You can't minister if there's no relationship with the Holy Spirit. Last thing on that before I just bring you to where where I want to land this thing. The biggest danger that any leader can do, the biggest mistake any leader can make, and and although you you might just be on the leadership team or you might be being looked at as a, a future leader, or in your heart you see yourself as, as, as somebody who can become a leader, the biggest mistake that you can make is to minister on an empty tank. You've got to minister from your overflow. And the picture there that I want you to have is at weddings, they, they stack these champagne glasses. And then you fill the top one. And as the top one is full, it flows into the next three. And they flow into the next nine, I think it is. But they flow exponentially because the one is filled. That's how we minister. Out of our overflow and not on an empty tank. You see, if you are very gifted, if you've, brought, if you've been brought in on a leadership team because you are very, very gifted, the temptation might be there not to spend time with the Holy Spirit, with God, and then operate on gift only. Now, you might get away with it once. You might be so unlucky to get away with it twice. Because I say unlucky because if you get with it, away with it once or twice or three times, then it's going to become a habit. And then there's a possibility that not only in the future will you destroy yourself, but you will destroy God's people. So right now, even as you as you hope to become a leader, make the decision now that I will never, even if I have to say, if I'm asked to do something, if I have to say to the eldership, my tank is empty, I just can't. I'd rather do that than to pretend. And then have the possibility there that you could destroy other people's lives. This, this is what happened here. These guys operated without authority, and they got a hiding of a lifetime. So, if it's not any of that, and there's still no flow in the Holy Spirit, I've been born again, I've been baptized, at some stage they prayed for me for the filling of the Holy Spirit, but there is still, there's still a dryness in me, or maybe I used to be on fire for God, and now there's a dryness then it could be one of these three S's that I'm going to present to you. It could be sin, it could be stripes, or it could be spiritual bondage. Sin, you know what I mean? I'll I'll, I'll discuss it now. Stripes, I'm talking about woundedness. Right? If you think about the old King James, by his stripes we are healed, by the wounds on his body. So, so it could be that there's sin in your life, and we will look at it now, or that there's a woundedness in your life, and because of that, you're not, you're not open to the moving of the Holy Spirit because of hurts of the past, or because there's spiritual bondage. Now, let me, let me help you with this. I'm going to say it once or twice so that we can get it. Sins 
There's a very specific way we deal with this stuff. If there's a sin in your life, or more than one sin in your life, that you need to deal with, you can't ask for prayer for healing. Because sins can't be healed. Sins need to be repented of. There is no other way of getting rid of sin in our lives. You can ask for counseling. You can fast. You can read your Bible through, right through four times a year. But if you don't repent of that sin, it's going nowhere. So sin needs to be repented of. Wounds, you can't repent of a wound. So you might be that, that special, that angel that God sent to, to City Bowl, and you're just so nice, you, you're gentle, you're kind, you, at times sweeter than Jesus. But you carry a wound, and you keep on repenting of that wound. It's not going anywhere, because you can't repent of a wound. A wound needs healing. And we need to distinguish between what's a sin and what's a wound. And then there's spiritual bondage. You can't repent from spiritual bondage. As a matter of fact, you can't be healed from spiritual bondage. You need to be delivered from it. And there are times that we as believers, we are so scared that we're going to look bad. What if they pray for me and it's a deliverance prayer? What then? See, there's no other way of dealing with spiritual bondage than delivering you from it. Can't be healed. Can't be repented of. So let's just quickly look at those three. So, if there's sin in your life, and, and I'll show you now how we get to this. If there's sin in your life, you could be hindering the flow of the Spirit corporately. Now you look at me like, what do you mean? Serious. If, if there's sin in your life, you could, be, you could be hindering the flow of the Spirit. A sin needs to be named. You need to take responsibility for it, and you need to deal with it. If you look at, I'll give you an example. If you look at Jonah, when he was on the boat and the storm became so violent. Now, I mean, I remember when I was young and I, where I grew up, uh, in the community I grew up, they used to say, if there's a storm on the sea, they used to say, the problem is in Mainani, the problem is Jonah. <laughs> I will always blame the other guy. But here's the thing. It's, it says that they, they drew lots and they identified Jonah. He's the culprit. And then it says, and they carried on rowing harder, but they made no progress. Because it doesn't help identifying the culprit. You've got to deal with the culprit. Until you cast the culprit overboard, until you deal with the culprit, there's no change. So if there's sin in your life, you need to deal with it. You need to name it. You need to deal with it. Here's, a, here's a, a saying that often gets me into trouble for like, can a stronger open this for me, please? Thanks. Here's a saying that sometimes gets me into trouble. 
but I want you to think about it. The blood of Jesus does not cover sin that we don't want to uncover. We plead the blood, but we don't want to repent of the sin. No, no. The blood of Jesus covers sin that we repent of. So if we're not prepared to deal with it, we we have an illegitimate claim to the power of the blood of Jesus. Sins need to be repented of. You see, we can't fix sin. We need to confess sin. Sometimes we try the quick fix. We try the quick thing because we want to fix the sin issue. Oh, I'm going to, dare I say it because we're in church, I'm going to stop smoking. And I start eating certain gum and I eat black wattle trees and anything because I want, no, no. It starts with repenting of it. And then we start dealing with it. So you can't fix it. You have to confess it. Holiness is one of the underrated things in the church today. Holiness unto the Lord. Listen, guys. It's an area we cannot compromise in. Holiness unto the Lord. We should not compromise in that area. Repent of sins. The second thing is stripes. Like I said, you can't repent of a stripe. You need to be healed from a strike. You need to be healed from a wound. And the areas that we get our stripes in, the area that we get hurt in, could be because where there's a breakdown in relationship with God. There's a breakdown in relationship with others. But it could even be that there's a breakdown in relationship with yourself. You're not happy with who you are. And for, if that's your problem, you need to find your identity of who you are in Christ. Not who you are in the mirror. Because sometimes we are not at all happy with the person in the mirror. But we find our identity in Christ. Sometimes the wounds has been caused by church, like I've said. Or your interpretation is that it's been caused by church. Sometimes you have received prophetic word. And it's been years, but you haven't seen it come to fulfillment. And you're not thinking that you could be the cause of the problem. It's somebody else. Problem is Jonah. Sometimes we're not happy with something that has happened in our lives and and self-hatred. We hate our bodies. And I know this is a sensitive topic, but that could prevent you from experiencing the full flow of the Holy Spirit because we're just focusing so much on our pain and on the wrong that was done to us. We can't experience the Spirit flowing through us. God wants to set you free from that today. Sometimes the reason why we battle to flow in the Spirit is soul ties. You know how many many believers are flat out in worship, but they haven't dealt with the soul ties in their lives. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe somewhere down the line, there was sexual immorality. I remember I preached in, 
in, in Stellenbosch, and I don't know why this is coming to me now, so I'm just going to say it again. In the middle of a service like this, God said to me, I want to speak to somebody. And he showed me a picture of a, 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 a girl, a young girl, who is, what's, what's your, the body fat, Madeleine, that you should have? Or what's, I mean, it's like mine. What's my body fat? Body mass, but like, what should it be? 0.5, 10, whatever? I don't know. Um, I like 100. My, my body mass index is higher than my IQ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, I saw this picture of this girl, and she had no fat on her. Right? And I'm trying to think what the words was. God said to me, no fat, no carbs, but sexually immoral. In the church. And as I said that after the service, that girl came running to the front and repented of sin. And God changed her life. You see, you can, be, you can get it right. You can have the right diet. You can look. You can buy the best clothes. But still have soul ties that binds you. And you're a bit like Gulliver. And you're just so tied up that you cannot break free by yourself. That's you tonight. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. Because God wants to set you free. So the only way that you can deal with stripes is to get healed. To allow God's Holy Spirit to flow over you. To come and do the renewal work inside of you. To renew you and restore you so that he can use you for the purposes that is planned for your life. And God wants to do that tonight for you. The last one is strongholds. You see, often we open doors to the demonic by something that looks innocent. The devil is a deceiver. The devil has had thousands of years of practice into how to deceive the children of God. So don't think you're going to put one past him. We've got to be on our guard. Absolutely. The problem is, often the thing we, we faced or we got involved in doesn't look like it's a bad thing. Sometimes I get totally annoyed when I, when I see family members of mine and they post stuff like, touch this there and find out what God has for you. And they're like, there's this something on Facebook and they touch this and, or touch the month, day of your birthday uh, or the month of your birthday and you will see. That's fortune telling. That's not prophetic. And sometimes we read books and we go to the back so we can find out what, what does the week have for me. It's, it looks innocent, but we're opening a door to the enemy. And God wants to deal with those strongholds. Somehow in this place tonight, there are people sitting and you have either deliberately played games that invited the presence of the devil and now you can't break it. And you're too ashamed to talk about it because what will people think if they know that you've opened that door 
they will think you're brave. They will think you're brave to deal with it. Because the devil has got this thing about bringing shame. But God sets free and he removes shame. If anything looks like I can open a door to the, to the demonic world, don't touch it. And I'm not sure what it is that, that you've looked at, what it is that you've done. But I sense a very strong thing in my heart that there are people here and they've opened doors. Maybe it because, it's because parents have opened the doors of your life. Like I say, curses flow in bloodlines, but not salvation. So you've got to deal with it yourself. Whatever the case may be, I believe that God wants to, number one, set people free from sin tonight. Number two, that God wants to heal some wounds tonight. Number three, that God wants to break some strongholds tonight. The young lady said, we can only help you if you're willing to open up. And tonight God is willing. The question is, are you willing to receive what the Holy Spirit of God can do for you tonight? Sins must be repented of. Stripes must be healed. And spiritual bondage needs deliverance. Last point I want to make. I was in Zimbabwe. I was in Bulawayo, and we drove away from Bulawayo a long time. What's the other town higher up from Bulawayo? Could be there. I'm not sure. But we drove far. And we went to, to a place where they, where they transition lions from captivity into the wild again. And so I've got a video at home, I wish I brought it along, where I put my camera through the fence. And in the video, you see a tribe of lions storming down on us. So you get the impression I'm standing in the wild because I put my camera through the fence. Because in front of me, here I'm standing here, there, here's the fence. On the other side of the fence, there's a heap of meat. And then they release the lions about 200 meters away, and within seconds, they're there. So when they're still 20, 30 meters away, you feel brave. But that last five meters, you wonder, is this fence enough? And as they launch themselves to this meat, you can actually see me falling backwards, and you see the fence for a moment. And then when I, when I realized, no, they're not coming through, I moved back and I put the lens of the camera through the fence again. The point is, while I stood behind the fence, I knew that that lion couldn't get to me. But there was a moment when I wondered, is the fence enough? And with us as believers... We get taught, we get raised, the blood of Jesus is enough. Now the enemy, if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, 
cannot access you. But he can get so close to you that he can influence you. And in a moment you wonder, is the blood enough? And you fall back. And fear sets in. Because, because in that moment you just, don't, you just think, this fence is not enough. And you start doubting the fence. And there might have been moments in your life where the enemy did not access you. So I'm not, I'm not talking about being demon-possessed. I'm talking about demonized. There's the difference. If I walked inside that camp, like that one picture, uh, uh, clip that went viral where the guy went in to pick up something in the lion's uh, camp, and the, guy, the lion actually attacked him, grabbed him by the neck and, or shoulder, and, and he pulled him inside. They, got, they had to shoot the lion. But the guy should never have been inside the camp. So, so here's the thing. As a believer, the enemy cannot access you. But he gets so close to the fence that he influences you. And it's not the fact that he has influenced you that's the sin. It's your response. See, it's not the fact that you've been wounded that's the sin. Because God doesn't judge wounds, God judges sin. So it's not the fact that you've been wounded that's the issue. It's your response to woundedness. That's a sin. It's not the question of, has the devil influenced you? It's your response to what is tried in your life. So I'm not talking access. I'm talking influence. Has he scared you enough? And even, even today, if something happens, if the phone rings, or if this happens, or if the month just seems a bit too long, then I lose my faith in the fence. And I become scared because the enemy is roaring at the fence. God wants to deal with that fear tonight. He wants to set you free. So, sins, stripes, woundedness. If you fall in any of that category where you feel that the Holy Spirit of God needs to come and do a work in you tonight, just stand where you are. Worship team, will you come up? That's, if, if the Holy Spirit of God has moved, thank you. Just stand where you are. I'm not gonna, I don't want to put the focus on anybody. That's why I'm not going to ask you to stand for either sin or stripes or spiritual. If it's stripes, sin, stripes, or spiritual bondage, just stand where you are. And we're going to pray. And ask God to come and make that change tonight. Because God is here. God is here. His presence is tangible. He wants to change something in your life. Father God, you know the heart. Of every person here today. You know why each one that's standing is standing. You know if it's sin. You know if it's woundedness. You know if it's spiritual bondage. But I pray that you will come by your Holy Spirit. And do the work that only you can do. 
I pray, Lord God, if there are people here and they at this moment repenting of sin, I know that you are faithful, that you forgive. I pray that your Spirit will minister to people now, that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction, Lord. There are people that are carrying wounds tonight, wounds of the past. I pray that by your Spirit, you'll come into their hearts and into their lives now. I pray that your Holy Spirit will flow through them like a thick golden oil. Bringing healing in the innermost being. Removing the dross, the scabs of the woundedness of the past. And as your Holy Spirit flows through each one of us, that there's total restoration. I pray if there's if there are strongholds that need to be broken right now, in the name of Jesus, we break it. Jesus, we pray, come now and break those bondages. Pray, Lord God, that if there are people here and they're even not aware of those bondages, that your Holy Spirit will bring an awareness now. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. Thank you that you are breaking chains now in Jesus' name. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. I just want to ask while everybody's eyes closed and people are still standing in the presence of God, is there anybody here and, and you don't have Jesus? You don't have, you, you have never experienced the Holy Spirit because you don't have Jesus. If you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, or maybe you're here and you People think you have Jesus, but in your heart you know that you're not born again. If that's you, will, will you just put up your hand high enough so I can see it and just acknowledge it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I just want to lead you in a prayer. Is there anybody here and you need Jesus now more than ever? That you just put up your hand. Father God, I, I understand that sometimes we are shy and sometimes we are a bit overwhelmed, but I pray that whoever it is that you've put your finger on tonight will not leave this place without making it right with you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Father, I want to pray for a, for a new refreshing infilling of the Holy Spirit where some of us might have gone stale, where some of us are actually running on empty. We have nothing to give. Even if you personally asked us, we have nothing to give. I pray, come and fill us again. I pray, Lord God, as we open our hearts to you, come and fill us with your holy presence.